Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Amen. You love our worship team at all. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that your people would hear your voice today and not mine. Let your word shape us, change us, and mold us like only you can. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Please be seated. If you can, stand if you can. I don't care. Open your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter number 4. 1 Timothy chapter, thank you, Jamie. 1 Timothy chapter number 4, verse number 1. This is the Apostle Paul writing to who he certainly considered a son or his son in the Lord, a young man named Timothy. And the scripture says in verse 1, now the Spirit speaks expressly. Anytime you see, now we read from King James around here most of the time, and I'll tell you there's a couple reasons why. The first reason is, if I'm just honest, is probably because that's what I grew up memorizing. And therefore, uh, to me, it's very, it's very comfortable. It's, it's a language that, you know, can be, uh, it's not a different language, but it's a translation that can be a bit of a tongue twister. But also, generally speaking, it is, it is a, Translation that is one translation away from the original uh, language that it was written in, as opposed to somebody else. Well, even that's hard to say completely, but there's a lot of translations out there that have a lot of opinion in them interwoven as if it was scripture. I just want to know what it said. To start with, I, I do want to know what somebody else's opinion is, you know, potentially. Uh, not everybody's opinion, praise God. There's some people's opinion I don't want. But at the same time, I want to know what does it say. And then if we need help with interpretation, then... Because some things are, are real clear. Some things, you know, you're, you, it really benefits you to have somebody that has a particular bend towards uh, understanding a certain topic or or... Or segment of the scripture, and therefore, uh, the King James Bible to, to me it's very comfortable. And then it's also, you know, theoretically one one language away, if it were, so you can go back to the original language quickly. Particularly if you have a good Bible app. A lot of times, Bible apps like I use an app that will show me the original Greek or Hebrew word uh, that it was derived from, so that you can actually see. And a lot of times. Uh, there are different words that that um, you and I might have one word for. They might have three different words for or vice versa. And so it helps us get a better understanding of what was trying to be communicated through the Scripture as opposed to what somebody's opinion is. I don't want to start with somebody's opinion. I want to start with what the Word says. Does that make sense? So here's a key to the, to the King James Bible. King James Bible, anytime you see E-T-H on the side of a word, so it says speaketh, you can just get rid of the E-T-H and put an S. That would be how we speak. So now the Spirit speaks. Does this make sense? Now the Spirit speaketh. 
That's how they would have said it back then. So now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So we are certainly in the latter times because this was written about 2,000 years ago. So whether or not we are in the last days, because it's very difficult to define the last days. Would that mean the last hundred years, the last hundred days, the last 30 days, the last thousand years? It's it's challenged to determine what the last days is specifically. But what we do know is with every moment, minute, and second that goes by, we are closer to the day of the coming of the Son of Man. Does this make sense? So we are certainly in latter times. Plus, the Bible talks about uh, in in as the as as the day approaches, we would see things. So one of the things it says is that it will be like the days of Noah, where people are just uh, eating and drinking, and they're they're just going about their life. Well, one of the other things about the days of Noah and the reason the flood came is because there was so much debauchery and so much wickedness all over the world that God says the only thing that I'm going to save is my remnant. That's it. The only thing I'm going to save is my remnant. And God didn't say, I'm going to save you. Let's go. He said, now I need you to start working on your salvation. Remember the Bible says we work our salvation out with fear and trembling. The ark became the salvation of Noah and his family. Now, uh, understand it's not saying that you can be saved by works. It's not saying you can be saved by your efforts. You are saved by grace alone. By, you are saved through, uh, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and Him crucified, miraculously risen from the dead. But you still need to work out your salvation in the process. So Noah got a word a hundred years before the flood. So he could work out his salvation. So when that day came and the windows of heaven opened and it rained to everybody on the planet, that was bad news. But to God's people, they just rose up on the waters that drowned everybody else. So we got to get to the place where until the day comes when God's going to call for that which he has a legal right to call for, we ought to be working out our salvation so that whenever things happen, whatever happens, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, you and I are the kind of people, we don't turn from God, we turn to God because as wicked as it is, listen to this, he told us it was coming. People don't like to read this part of the Bible, but the reality is, is this is the best part of the Bible for you to read in a time like this where the front page of your paper looks like the back pages of your Bible. So the Bible says that that, that some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. That word giving heed means to like, like turn the mind to or be attentive to seducing spirits. I believe one of the things, and I'm going to say some stuff this morning, so you guys are going to have to work with me a little bit, but a significant part of the seduction of society has crept into the church. Where because, uh, uh, because of things that are challenging to define, 
we have chosen, not you and me, but a lot of the church has chosen to lean towards the world when it comes to definitions. Well, this is very, 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 very dangerous. The Bible says that, that many shall depart from the faith and they will listen to or they will give heed to Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Doctrine literally means like a teaching or an, or an instruction, something that's a bit absolute. So when I come up here and I teach, I'm going to tell you, I, I go about 90% doctrine and 10% conviction. Because I have some convictions that are, that are, they are personal. There are things that I do and things that I don't do. I'll give you one of my convictions. You ready? I only wear red socks. Just kidding. <laughs> Jake, they're on the edge of their seat. They're like, what? <laughs> one of my convictions, one of my convictions, I drink no alcohol. None. Now, here's how I make the case for that. But I also clearly see the word wine all through the New Testament. And I don't need any Pharisees to come point at it for me. <laughs> I could probably teach wine better than you could teach wine if I wanted to. But I have a conviction. Doctrine is this is for everybody. Ten commandments. Doctrine. A conviction. Personal. This is what I do. As for me and my house, this is what I do right here. This is what we do. You live in this house, this is how you act. That's a conviction. Now, if you have these convictions in your household, mom and dad, but you have not communicated them to your offspring and they keep breaking them and you keep getting frustrated, but you've never communicated that these are bylaws that you have to follow to live in this house, there's a bit of, com- of a communication issue. Because when you communicate the convictions and the bylaws that are necessary to live and dwell in your home in peace... Then it's a 50-50 shot on whether or not somebody's going to follow it. But if you do not communicate them, it's almost a 100% that they are going to miss it and not know that they missed it while they were missing it. And then you're frustrated. And then they're frustrated when they find out that you frustrated. And then it's just a big pile of, of struggle. But for me, I do not take any alcohol. I don't take any alcohol because the book of Leviticus says in chapter number 10, somewhere around verse 9. It says, drink no strong or fermented drink when you're on the way to the temple or tabernacle to pray. Then it says, this is a lasting ordinance for all generations to come. It says, don't drink alcohol when you're going to church, when you're headed to the temple. That's old covenant, okay? It's in the old covenant. It's on the left part of your Bible. So he says that, but then he puts that last clause on it. This is a lasting ordinance for all generations to come. The New Testament says, Know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament says, Pray without ceasing. So if he said, Don't drink when you're on the temple to pray, when you're on the way to the temple to pray, I'm already at the temple. And I'm supposed to be praying. So personally, I have no time for alcohol. Secondly, in the New Testament, the Bible talks about what is fit to be a minister. A person that's fit to be a minister cannot be given to wine. 
Now, there is argument about whether or not that means there shouldn't be somebody that's a drunkard or if it means they, they just don't drink wine. The problem is in the same book or in the same one of the two letters that was written to Timothy, in the same book, Paul tells Timothy, you need to drink a little wine. But he says it because Timothy apparently was prone to some kind of a stomach issue. He said, from drinking just water everywhere you go. Anybody ever been to Mexico? What's the number one rule if you're a gringo and you're headed to Mexico? Don't drink the water. It's not because the water will kill you. It will just keep you busy. And the reason is... Different areas, your body gets accustomed to bacteria and things in that area. You go to a different area. I, I, we, we, uh, our family spent some time down in Guatemala, and and one of the things that you do in Guatemala is, is the way, way, way that I like to do it is I eat everything pretty much fried, because not much lives under oil at four or five hundred degrees. So I drink, I drink. Uh, uh, you know, Cokes and things like that. You say, well, that doesn't sound any very healthy. Well, I have a glass of water. Let me know how that goes for you. I remember one of the first times we took our children down there. And we told them, like, all right, now look. There's this special stuff that we wipe on all the fruit. It's called Clorox. <laughs> it's not really Clorox. But there's some stuff you can get. You can wipe it on the fruit. Because, again... The, the bacteria that people in different parts of the world are accustomed to is different than the bacteria that our bodies are accustomed to. So you can wipe the fruit down. Well, we walked into one of the places we were going to stay, and they had this nice arrangement of apples. You know, our little sweet Haley, she's loved apples since she was alive, you know. And she walks up, she goes, ooh, an apple. And she goes, Hush. I said, spit it out. <laughs> Here, gargle this. <laughs> So he was not, Paul was not telling him, hey, you should go have a, have a glass of wine with dinner. So if you interpret it that way, you're, you're misinterpreting that scripture. It specifically says, stop just drinking water. You need a little wine for your belly. And it even says, matter of fact, it will help with all of the significant, with all of the issues you keep having. So for me, it is a conviction. That I don't drink alcohol. Our household has no alcohol. I remember several years ago, uh, before we moved here, uh, a neighbor came over and we were going to watch a, a pay-per-view uh, a UFC fight. And you know, your house, you may not watch that, but we watch it. Praise the Lord. And this this guy, he comes over. He's a friend of mine. He comes over and he says, uh, he says, uh, he said, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'll see you in a little bit. I said, okay. He's a good friend of mine. We, 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 we talked, you know, just about every day. We were next door neighbors. And all of a sudden, I said, I said, uh, I said, you know, I should probably call them and make sure he doesn't bring a beer over here because we just don't have it in our home. And so, uh, uh, I was fixing to call him and all of a sudden his wife called my wife and says, Hey, do you, I don't want to be weird, but can he like bring a beer in your house? And Crystal goes, babe, she wants to know. And I was like, absolute. Of course, Crystal knew. And she would have told her anyway, but she wanted me to be the goat. <laughs> I don't mind. Man. <laughs> I got no problem. It's a conviction. I know people that alcohol has ruined their entire life. 
So for me, it's just what we, we're not going to do. It. So uh, um, I said, I said, no, 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 they don't do it. So okay, so he comes over and you know he sits down, you know, and you can tell his eyes are about this big. He's like, what can I do in here? You know, <laughs> like you want a coke or a glass of tea or you know what? He's like, I don't know, you know, <laughs> not sure if I can, you know. So I had a talk with him. I said, I said, man, I'm not trying to be whatever. I said, we just don't have alcohol in our home. I said, I said, it's a decision that we've made. So we don't, we don't do that. It's, it's, it's a part of our life that we, that it's, it's a standard that we hold in the name of Jesus. Furthermore, I don't believe in the world's philosophy. The world says you can drink at 21. Why are you smarter? On day 366. Why, why, why 20 years old and, and 366 days are you more intelligent? I remember being 21. I, that didn't happen for me. So, so then the next question is, well, the Bible says you can drink, just don't get drunk. Well, what's drunk? Well, blow on a breathalyzer, 0.08. That's the world's definition. What else are you letting the world define? Because the world doesn't have a problem with promiscuity. The world doesn't have a problem with fornication. The world doesn't have a problem with turning every human into a voyeur by sticking pornography on your cell phone. The world. Has, so what else of the world are you going to, what else are you going to let the world define for you? Well, I think having more than two drinks in an hour is effectively drunk. Well, good. You started with two words, though, that don't add up in the scripture. I think. Who gave you the legal right to make definitions when God clearly defines what's right and wrong? So, again, I can be very convincing with my conviction, but I want you to know this is a conviction that that we have that literally is derived from Scripture as well as just a general experience in life. I lay aside every weight... A weight may or may not be a sin. The reason we know that is because he said, and the sin that so easily besets us. So if, if, if you want to make a, you know, having a glass of wine, a, a stronghold in your life, that I'm just not letting that go. I tell you what, me and my family, we're Italian or we're whatever you are, then do it. But if somebody holds the line with a conviction, you ought to celebrate the fact that they actually have the gumption enough to do something or not do something for God and not just be bouncing down the stream with the rest of society. Does this make sense? So this is what I'm talking about here. So he says, people have given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. It doesn't say convictions of devils. Because the conviction we can talk about just like we just talked about. Because I'm not going to sit there if somebody says to me, hey, you know what? I am Italian. I like to have wine with my spaghetti. Praise God. I'm not going to sit there and say, well, I think you're wrong. I'm going to sit there and say, well, I've certainly seen wine all through the New Testament. Seen in the Old Testament. 
There's arguments about what that word actually meant, whether or not it was grape juice or whether or not it was fermented or whether or not it fermented just because that's the process that happens when you take fruit, squeeze it into a jar and leave it. It doesn't matter what. You could take grapes yourself, squeeze them into a jar, and sooner or later there'd be an element of fermentation. You can speed it up different ways, but there'd be an element of fermentation. So all those things are are arguable, but the bickering back and forth between believers, when it's, when it is clearly an area of conviction, this is where, this is where people have, uh, created denominational or societal standards that God did not lay on everybody. Everybody gets doctrine, but personally you have to live out your convictions. Does this make sense? So he talks about the, the seducing spirits. Well, number one, a, sed, a seduction means that it is intentionally trying to take you in a different direction than you were going. Seduction means when, 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 there, there, and there can be godly seduction. There can be, there can be a, a godly seduction where, where somebody is trying to win you to God. Wise is the man who wins souls. We are trying to convince people that the word of God is true, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we are trying to convince people of that that might be going in a completely different direction. But there are also ungodly seductions that will pull on you and these spirits, these ideologies, these demonic ideologies, they create creep in unaware and they begin to put blinders on people until they're living a Christian life, they think, but the reality is they have blind spots that have been produced by by the seduction of spirits that are trying to pull them contrary to the things of God. So instead of looking at the truth, they will try to get you to look at somebody who's doing something that is contrary to the truth. I got to slow down. Instead of looking at the truth, seducing spirits will try to get you to look at somebody that is doing something contrary to the truth. Because it is very easy to empathize with somebody and even love somebody. And as soon as you empathize and love somebody, as you should, the next step, if you're not built on a firm foundation of the word of God, is it can't be that bad. Because so-and-so does it, and they're a good person. This is the seduction of society and seducing spirits. It's crazy. Uh, we've, we've got this podcast now that's been going out. and Like 20 different countries are downloading uh, these episodes and listening. But a few weeks ago... At least two weeks ago, we recorded a podcast, actually two of them. One of them aired this past Monday. Another one's going to air tomorrow. And it's about how to deal with controversial topics as a parent. It hit this past week. I had no idea that that literally, and again, there's no other way to talk about this other than just talk about it, that Disneyland... Disney company was going to come out and basically confirm that they have removed all of the terminology identifying boys and girls. If you haven't seen this in the news, just read it when you leave. But we did not know that that was coming down the pipe whenever we record this podcast. But this is a topic that you're going to have to talk about with your kids because seducing spirits 
are trying to get your children to look at somebody who's involved in this before the truth is made known to them. And now, instead of going through the truth and then filtering it down to people do this, even though it's not, even though it's not the will of God, it's these people are really nice. I don't think God would be mad at them. Because it is, it is a seducing spirit. It is a spirit of seduction. And the next thing that follows is the teaching of devils. The doctrine of devils. Now, it just happened this week. The President of the United States announced that the, the, the pass, the U.S. passport is going to have an option for an ex-gender. In other words, somebody that wants to say I'm not male or female. Now, let me just put this out there as a caveat. We love everybody. We're not mad at anybody. If anybody is confused, then praise the Lord. That that spirit of confusion can come off. But we have a moral obligation to the word of God and to the blood of Jesus Christ to teach our children the absolute truth in these areas. The Bible says that God made them male and he made them female. That's the way it is. And God made the decision before you were formed in your mother's womb. You don't get to make the decision just because you think a certain way. Or here, actually, let me, re, let me rephrase that. You actually do get to make the decision to live however you want. But that does not mean that people who stand on the word of God can stop standing on the word of God just because somebody has chosen to live contrary to that. Therefore, these seducing spirits that come in and shift and try to change. See, the devil is not playing checkers. When he starts playing checkers, that's when he's desperate. The devil is playing chess. That's why he's been trying to sneak in these little subtleties that everybody has just ignored all these years. These little subtleties. And it's just snuck in as seduction, 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 seduction. Until finally, now all of a sudden, young people are not looking through the lens of the Bible, they are looking through the lens of, well, I know that person though, or I've seen that person, or they're a big part of my life, and how can that be wrong, or how can this be wrong? It's wrong because God said it's wrong, and that has to be the standard in your home, but if you do not wave that banner when they are young, they will be looking through the seducing spirits instead of through through the, uh, the filter of the word of the living God. Just makes sense. So we have to get conscious about it because listen to this. The exact same industry. Think about this. The exact same industry that will tell you it's just art when they don't want to be held accountable. When they have 700 murders per movie. When every person in the movie is carrying a gun and looking like G.I. Joe and shooting every third person in the movie. Every video game, you can buy a more powerful weapon. You can buy a more powerful gun. And in the video game, you can go commit mass murder all day, every day. And then when a young person's mind has been seduced by that demonic activity, and then they finally do something because there's not a stronghold of the foundation of faith in their life significant enough to help them see the difference between godly and ungodly, then they go do it. Then everybody that's in that industry says it's just art, it's just entertainment. I'm about to say something. If you can tie this together in your mind, you're going to get a revelation that's going to set your family free and you're probably going to make some changes. The same people that say it's just art 
are the same people that are now saying, we've got to get more representation in these movies of people that are a part of the LGBTQ plus community because that way young people can see it and then they can actually do what they have seen. The same people that when there's a problem, they say, it's just art. Nothing's happening. It's just art. Anybody could do it. It's just an expression. Or the exact same people when they're caught on camera behind closed doors, they're saying, we got to use this to show the world a different way and to manipulate society. So you got two choices as a believer. You can either get wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove, or you can spend the rest of your life being seduced by demonic spirits and being led into the doctrines of devils. Because this is the days that we are living in right now. Right is called wrong and wrong is called right. If somebody is confused... If somebody has a question, if somebody has a problem, then praise the Lord. But I'm going to tell you right now, what it is, is is an absolute insult and it is an invasion if another adult begins to talk to a kindergartner or a first grader or a second grader about sexual things. They ought to be... That is a problem, and I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican or somewhere in the middle. You come talking to babies about that kind of stuff. The dangers of hellfire are knocking on your door. Knocking on your door. And if we don't speak up and rise up as parents, we're going to wake up one day and we'll be wrestling with devils that we didn't have to wrestle with because you're not supposed to wrestle with them. You're supposed to stomp on their head. This is the doctrine of devils. The doctrine of devils is not a seance around a fire. That is a small group of people that have been given over to a reprobate mind. The doctrine of devils is the teaching that does not line up with the word of the living God. That is the doctrine of devils. So we got to get to the place where if, if your own blood can decides to follow after something that's not in line with the word. You've got to get to the place and say, I love them. I pray for them. I am available to them. But I do not condone that kind of activity. Nor do I allow my convictions and my doctrine to be swayed because somebody I radically care about has chosen to go a different direction. The Bible says that Abram said, come on, we're going to a city whose builder and maker is God. And Lot said, Lot said, don't want to go. Abram said, well, I'm going. Here's one of the biggest problems with the story of the prodigal son. As it relates to society today. One of the biggest problems is the son was not allowed to roll with the pigs at daddy's house. You want to live here? This is how we live. There's a certain age where all of this has to be appropriate. But at the exact same time, you want to live in my house. We go to church on Sunday morning. I'm 25 years old. Buy a house. I remember one time one of my kids said something to me. He said, I'm going to go to my bed. I said, stop. You're going to my bed. 
No, in my room, I mean, Dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about my room. They weren't even in trouble. No, Dad, I'm talking about up the stairs, down the hall, right, right, my, my room, my bed. Yeah, you mean my room and my bed. The tail doesn't wag the dog. Parents have to lead their children and lead their households. And today it's more important than ever. Because if you do not, if you do not, you will, you will by default make your children fight things that they should not have to fight. They're going to have their own, they're going to have enough battles. Trust me, you don't have to create Goliath. He shows up. But what I'm saying is there has to be a standard that you decide to hold. Because the seduction, the seducing spirits have much more leeway now than they ever have. And I don't see much in the Bible that indicates that that's going to taper off. I see it actually increasing. I see, I see wickedness increasing um, as the day of the Lord approaches, as we get closer to that. So you and me, we've got to get really wise. And the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. But that is just the beginning. We have to get wise to know what the word says so that we can know what to stand on. Now, this is where you need the Holy Spirit really, really strong. Because you can't go wagging your finger at everybody as if, as if somehow their sin would have sent them to a different hell than your sin would have sent you to. It's the same hell. It was never designed for people, by the way. It was designed for the, the one-third of heaven that followed Lucifer. So for you and for me, we've got to get to the place where we lay hold of the word of God and refuse to let go of our confession of faith, even as this day approaches where the seducing spirits are stronger than they've ever been. But the strongest demon on the planet is not as strong as the pinky toe of a Holy Ghost-filled believer. So this is nothing to be fearful of, but it is something to understand. This happens by the washing of the water of the word. One of the things that I do on a very consistent basis, I haven't listened to the, again, I'm not telling you you have to do this. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about, you know, what I do when I'm not standing up here. I haven't listened to a radio in probably nine years, maybe 10, maybe longer than that. The truck I have now, it has a radio. The truck that I used to drive, it didn't even have an antenna. Matter of fact, it, it had, it had, uh, folded up napkins stuck in the air conditioner vents. You know what I'm talking about? To hold the vent just right. You know what I'm talking about? Crystal said, you need to buy another truck. I said, I love this truck. She said, well, like you bring these men and men of God into town and you drive them around and your truck is old. It's 230,000 miles. I said, babe, it's my truck, you know. I love this truck. What are you talking about? She goes, you look like a papaw driving that truck. So I did what any, you know, good husband would do. I said, you look like a papaw. <laughs> Talk about my truck. Your dog looks like a papaw. Y'all don't tell her I said this. She's back there with the kids. <laughs> she said, you need another truck. I said, why? I said, well, I man, God come in and, you know, it's just, 
Sister, stuff in your truck. I said, like what? She's like, like empty bullet casings. <laughs> I said, well, glory to the Lamb of God. <laughs> but I haven't listened to the radio in probably 10 years. And, you know, I pretty much just listen to preaching. Preaching and teaching. And you know, a lot of times I'm reviewing our services here. You know, it's very important to us how we sound coming out. You know, we really work hard on that. Uh, but... But a lot of times, I just have preaching going, and, and the same way that you would have your radio playing or somebody would have their radio playing, you're not listening to every song, but you're hearing every now and then. See, what I, what I found out is, is faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God preached. So I like a good preacher. You know what it's hard to find nowadays? I don't mean that arrogant. It's hard to find a good preacher. You can find plenty of people that will walk up and tell you a story. They'll quote one scripture and then, you know, tell you about some person who ran a marathon and persevered in the rain. It's good for an example. Metaphor. Jesus did the same thing. He talked about, he talked in metaphors. Oh, faith like a mustard seed. Oh, you can tell that mountain to move. He talked like that all the time. But what I found is it's the word of the living God that doesn't return void. And the problem that we have in society today and potentially in Christianity is we have a bunch of Christians that are word poor. Oh, they got all the leadership traits. You can find 500 preachers right now that will teach you 17 points on leadership. I want to know how to get the devil off somebody. I want to know how to reverse a cancer uh, uh, a cancer report. I want to know when the doctor says you're not going to have a baby. I want to know how to make that baby come full term. I want to know how to be filled with the Spirit. I want to know how to lay hands on the sick and see them, see them recover. I want to see people prophesy. I want to see young people coming into the fullness of their calling. You know, the Bible said when, when Paul was writing to Timothy, he said, don't let anybody despise your youth. He said, you've been reading the scriptures since you were a kid. So don't anybody describe your youth. I don't know if you know it, but the average age up here on the platform is probably like 18. And they're all fire breathers for God. But there's got to be a place there where, where we decide that the Word of God is the ultimate answer and we're not going to get, we're not going to get, uh, seduced by spirits that are coming after our children. There is no second here. They are coming after our children. So there has to be a place where if the pendulum's going to swing this far, the only way to get it even close to center is you got to take it all the way back, baby. You gotta take it all the way back to Christ and Him crucified. And there's gonna to have to be some righteous indignation that rises up in your household that says, now listen, this is what you might see at school. This is what you might hear at school. But I'm telling you before you get there, this is what the Word of God says and this is what we stand on. And if that's going on in your school and you can't figure it out, you can't figure out how to make sure that your children are protected, maybe you ought not send your kids to that school anymore. Well, how would I do that? It's called faith. You do it by faith. You make a decision that's best for them and not something that the world says. The world will try to threaten you into just getting in line. You can't make it. You can't do this. You can't. You can't. You can't. The world will threaten you. So, well, you're going to have to. You guys are both going to have to have two jobs apiece to make it in this society because of inflation. Check. 
here. Hold on a sec. Oh, wait. No, I don't. My God shall supply my needs according to his riches in glory. Well, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, a crouton variant coming out. Oh, yeah. It's coming. You're going to have to wear a mask on your ears. Wait a minute. Here it is. Hold on a minute. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by his stripes, I am healed. Well, they're going to increase taxes. Let's see here. Oh, here it is. The Lord says go fishing. The Lord says go fishing. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I use that all the time. Bible, Jesus said, the, baby, baby, Jesus said we ought to be fishing right now. We ought to be doing. We need to clean the house. The Lord said. I'm thinking about trimming the hedges. Well, Christ. <laughs> the Lord said go fish. Bow your head and close your eyes. I'm done teaching. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.